BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Diversity Remix, only provocative conversations at the intersection of business, politics, and culture. I'm Charlie Echeverry. And I'm Jesus Chavez. This week's episode, Courage or Cringe, featuring Rafa Hernandez-Brito. On today's show, the voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers and Cleveland Browns joins us to play Courage or Cringe. Does the world's biggest podcaster have an obligation to consider his cultural impact when weighing in on subjects outside of his expertise? Or should his detractors stop holding his views to the same academic rigor they expect from the scientific community? Did the LAPD do right by asking the NBA to investigate LeBron after his highly controversial police tweet? Or is this action by a formal police organization a passive-aggressive violation of a citizen's First Amendment rights? And finally, did lawmakers in Idaho disenfranchise millions of their citizens by voting to eliminate critical race theory from their public schools? Or does their action constitute a kind of civil protest against a controversial and polarizing theory? We'll get into this once again, sore throat and all, on this episode of TDR. Jesus, we're back in L.A.? Yeah, glad, glad After to be a week back abroad. <laughs> it felt that way, right? It was it like did. the first travel that we had in, like maybe not exactly a year, at least for business travel, but close to it. It's been a while, been a minute, been a while. Yeah, yeah. that was super cool to. It get was out odd. There. It was odd. A little it, well, bit. it was odd to get out, but I mean, it was it was a super cool trip, and I'm sure yeah. we'll have a lot to talk about on this huge subject, right? Uh, homelessness and everything else that's going on. But uh, and it was a pretty deep episode last week, by the way. So we're gonna we're gonna stay in a different echelon, at a different level this this uh, uh, this week, and actually to that end. I'm super, super, super excited uh, to welcome to the show Rafa Hernandez Brito, who is the voice of the Cleveland Browns, the voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers, actually the voice of the uh, new hockey team, right? The Monsters. Um, so he is the voice, of the, and says the guy who has Literally, no the voice, voice today, <laughs> who has no voice today, is the voice. Rafa, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Charlie. Jesus. It's really a pleasure to be joining you guys. I've been following your work for quite some time in all facets of the industry. So it, it is really a, a true honor to be joining you guys. Awesome. Well, we're, we're super excited, Rafa. And, and just for those that may not know, so Rafa, and I, we go back, Rafa. We, so I met Rafa 2005, I want to say, wow. is when I yeah. first, when I first met, met you. Um, so Rafa and I both were at Univision. Uh, back in the day, and uh, Rafa was also known as El Alcalde. 
El alcalde. Uh, did a lot of the the broadcasting and um, you know had a you know sports show there. Did a lot of the broadcasting, especially boxing. So. Um, always a big fan of the work that Rafa was doing, um, and, and super excited just to have you, you know, back back on uh, on air with us. I think this is, is great. Uh, frankly, it's a it's a great excuse to reconnect with a with a good friend and someone that we're excited to see you continue to grow in your career and uh, and being so many official voices for so many different things. So that's pretty cool. How did you uh, get uh, into calling? Excuse me, Rafa. Sorry, I was gonna say, how did you get into actually calling sports? Well, you know, it, it is. Uh, I'll give you the elevator ve- version, so we could be here all day. I used to work in sales for Coors Brewing Company before. Oh, that's the explanation. <laughs> yeah, that, making, that makes sense. It all I makes was sense. Making <laughs> a lot of money and doing really well. That's where I discovered that I was a uh, I was good at sales. I had a, I had a mechanical engineering degree, but when I graduated, all the jobs I wanted were only for U.S. citizens because of the defense and everything. So I couldn't, I couldn't really get a job as an engineer. So I got a job at sales. I wanted to stop calling back home to my parents in El Salvador to get, you know, to get money. I wanted to become independent. So I got a job selling bottles and games wine coolers back in the nineties. And I was wow. really good at it. You know, I moved That's up awesome. to the brewery. I was part of the group that brought Coors and Coors Light to this side of the Mississippi, to the east side. But it got to a point where I wasn't learning anymore. And, and I wasn't, I was, I was going to work as opposed to, wanting to go to work so i quit and did nothing but play golf for like a summer and one day watching tv i was really yelling at the commentator for what he was saying and it kind of did a a, a fire in me that i had it for a while you know the passion for sports and i figured you know what i'm gonna try and do this myself so i, I went back to school for broadcasting and Went from making a ton of money to making $150 a game, calling the games for St. John's men's basketball, and was really happy. I really loved it. And then, as Jesus mentioned, and I was part of the group that started the Univision Radio Network. I like to call it the first successful national radio network, because there were a few that tried uh-huh. before us. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah there were. We, we were really good at it. You know, we... we, we, yeah. we brought a lot of sports that people thought Latinos didn't like because everybody thinks it's Latinos is just mm. soccer and, and some boxing. But we did a lot of NFL, we did NBA, we did sure. Major League Baseball and did really well at it. And and then I, I got what I always wanted. I, I got a talk show that I thought Jesus was going to say the the segment on your show, the courage or cringe, that's where you, the cringe part is where he got the idea. He got it from listening to me and <laughs> listening to Locura Deportiva. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he did. Uh, <laughs> we lift, lifted it conveniently from. Conveniently, uh, right? They gave no credit. That's how we roll. I actually, I, Rafa, I actually have a question about the, um, you know, the diversity of sports because you're right, right? When we think about uh, Latino audiences, we tend to think in a, you know, kind of boxing or soccer um, approach, or at least historically, that's been the case. And obviously, you've you've helped as an industry leader to change all that, which is awesome. And now, actually, I do want to talk about the hockey stuff you had to do recently because I got some legit questions on that. But before we get to that. I just have one question about the football piece. Did you have anything to do with naming the position Mariscal del Campo? Mariscal del Campo. <laughs> you know, it, you? it is one of the things, Charlie, that ever since I started, we we try our best to keep loyal to the language, right? Yeah. But there are some things that don't have a translation. Like in baseball, a strike is a strike. And one of the things that I always have an issue with is, is translating the name of the teams. For example... The Rams in Spanish are Los Carneros. It doesn't sound like a football team, right? Or, or, right. or Los Arcones Marinos, the Seahawks. So it, there are some things that you do know, like Los Cachorros at the Cubs anywhere in the sure. world. 
you know, right, but there was so, I, I do use both words, you know, Mariscal de Campo and 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 quarter, and, but that is a but that is a word that is used widely in Mexico. Mexico has a huge uh, uh, American football league and everything. Mm -hmm. So it, I, I would take the credit, but I do use it sometimes. You know, a la cerrada for tight end, a la abierta for wide receiver, apoyador oh, for the, wow. the linebacker. So they do have that. Hockey was harder because there is no. There's really no background no, into what there's what no those heritage. There's no history. By, by the way, so, one of one yeah. of my probably favorite childhood memories um, is watching the Dodgers with my dad, and because there was no Spanish broadcast at the time for television, what they would do is basically he would watch it with the volume off, mm -hmm. and then have a, a Jaime Serrin, I think is what his Jaime name Harin, was, yeah. right? Jaime, Jaime Harin, Harin, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, doing the Spanish broadcast oh, on cool. radio, it yeah. would literally have both on at the same time, right? So listening to a radio on Spanish and then watching it uh, because they didn't have a Spanish broadcast. This is time. this is something that not many people know. When, when Jaime Jardín started doing the Dodgers in the 50s, of course, you know, we're still dealing with a little bit of getting just the crumbs sometimes when it comes to Spanish mm -hmm. broadcasting. He didn't travel, right? So he used to have Vince Scully in his ear for the road games and translate Vince Scully's call into Spanish. Oh, and that was his broadcast wow. in Spanish for so many That's years. Crazy. When the Dodgers were on the road. Isn't that amazing? That's, That's super a, cool. That is crazy. But wow. it also reminds me of just the the, the, the old uh, adage that, you know, we oftentimes have to work twice as hard for the same kind of – think about that, like having right. to like translate the call, like all the processing that goes on in your head to do that in order to get the call out. I mean, that's that's uh, that's amazing. That is crazy. So, okay, so Rafa, my question is on hockey. So you need to tell us a little bit about your the monsters and the call and everything else that you just did because that, from what we understand, that's a brand new thing. But for starters, how do you say icing? How do you say icing in Spanish? <laughs> you know, it, it is so funny because that is one of the things. <laughs> I say icing, by the way. And that is one of the things asked me before we did the game. The Monsters are, is the AHL team that the Cavaliers own here in Cleveland. And they have done a really wonderful job growing the game. And they have grown the game night every season. And this year we decided to do it with the Hispanic community. And the point was that. Even though we don't have any roots in the sports, because obviously most of most of us come from palm trees and, and waves. <laughs> That's right. The fact I can I can bet you that you can put ten people that have never even heard of ice hockey into a live arena, have them watch the game, and they would, nine of them would love the sport, would love the action, the energy that, it's that, super that fast. the sport provides. Yeah. So they asked me, how would you say this? How would you, how would you call a goal? And I you know, I said, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth because that's something that you don't plan. But I seen, there are some words and you guys would agree with me that you need to interpret them, not just translate them because there's no such thing as a, as a face-off, for example, un duelo, you know, el duelo. Right, right. right. You know, uh, yeah. like I have a problem with the way in hockey, they, in, in Spanish, they call it el bastón. But to me, oh, a baston is like a cane, you know. It's, it's a cane for right. lean on. Yeah, right, right. So yeah. I call it el, el, the stick, el palo or something. El palo, you know? that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's like el palo de golf, el palo de hockey. It's like, it's like But I see his eyes and I couldn't come up with a, you know, está congelando. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't roll off the tongue the same I, I, way. I just no. love how we literally are hearing like real-time cultural nuance getting that's in, what i'm saying in, that's in, why i like, asked inserted into the sport i know that is not that wasn't there before that wasn't there a couple years ago that's really cool man you're at the toy at the forefront of doing that uh, rafa is there anybody else calling hockey in spanish no you know they, they the florida panthers had it for a while but one of the one of the hurdles and, and issues we have is that most of them 
I would say 90% of the of the teams and institutions, they don't go beyond having a transactional relationship with the Hispanic community. And that yeah. is one of the mm -hmm. things that I have, I have been able to, to be able to work with here with the Cavaliers since I got here, that we're trying to make it more of a just selling tickets. And, and a lot of these teams are expecting a return right away and are expecting a return in English. And it's difficult. It's hard. The investment is not going to be there. And that is right. just the, big, the, the, the head of the monster of a lot of issues that, that we have as a, as a community and how people reach to us, reach out to us. So it, not many people have it in hockey, again, because they think that Hispanics don't love, don't know hockey. They don't right. practice it. They don't know about right. it. And my point is always, first of all, we are, we are sports fans. And, and the most important thing is we are a very loyal community to the city that has adopted us, wherever we are in the world. That's right. If there is a Hispanic right. that lives in Berlin, they're going to group for the soccer team or they're going to root for whatever, whatever is in Berlin or wherever it is in the world. So that is one of the yeah. things that we have been fighting for for so long. It's a chicken and egg thing anyway. It's like, you know, Latinos don't like hockey. Well, I mean, you could, even if that's true, which it isn't, but even if it were true, my next question would be, well, how the hell is, have you ever talked to them about hockey? Have you ever gone there? Have you ever had right. more than, an, than a transactional, uh, sure. you know, relationship with them? And if you don't, then it's going to be hard to, to figure that out. But look, to Jesus's point, Rafa, I think you, you're, a, you're a pioneer in this on a number of different levels, but specifically in these in different sports. Like I think a lot of the vernacular and the potential and the whole words we use are really you know, based on the, the insights that you're kind of adding to the game. And so sure. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot to be done, but you know, it's, it's really cool for you to be in that position. Yeah, I think it, it's, it's something future. And I, and I really appreciate it. You know, it's... It, and it's also something that we as Hispanics have to also help ourselves with. And I'll give you an example. When I got to Univision, I, they wanted me to do a two-hour show on soccer, on Mexican soccer. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of other things, so let's do boxing. So we started doing boxing, and quickly I realized that boxing is, 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 a, is, a, is a ring that you have to be in it to get the interviews, to get, to get yeah. the access. And, and the, at, at the beginning, at first, my bosses only wanted to send me to Vegas when there was a Hispanic fighting. And my point oh my was, goodness. you know, we need to tend to our listeners that are boxing fans, not just Hispanic sure. boxing fans, you know, because if right. there's no Hispanic right. fighting, we, I still want to cover Mike Tyson against whoever he was fighting over. Of Hopkins, or, You know, because we are boxing fans. So it, it kind of, we need help on both sides, but, it, 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 but it's those, come a long way. But Rafa, those things that sound obvious today are because somebody like you years ago said right. them. You know what I mean? Push back. That's that right. Somebody pushed back and said, you know what, this is wrong. So, um, no, that's that's, uh, that's, that's amazing. We have to bring you back to do just a show on, like, the things that you've run into and, and the tone that you've had to set. But, um, you know, we, we've got uh, our own three-headed monster to get to, to use your terminology yes. on this show. Let's <laughs> get going. Uh, with these things. And I, I know that, you know, what Jesus said to me, it's like, Rafa is like super passionate and super opinionated, so it's going to be a great show. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm worry excited. About that. <laughs> I'm excited at what comes next. So so let's get ready to play Courage or Cringe. Jesus, I mean, I know we know how to play, but why don't you uh, yeah, just real, remind real everyone. Yeah, real quick, we're going to cover three topics. Um, I'll, I'll tee them up. And on each of the topics, we'll have to, you know, make the call whether we see it as being courageous or being cringeworthy, right? And per our tradition, Rafa, uh, you will get to go first as our guest. So excited to see where you land on each one of these topics. But let's All get right. going to the very first one, let's which begin. is so. Uh, and this is a it's a pretty recent one. It it, uh, it sort of thing started about a week and a half ago. Joe Rogan uh, got himself into a little bit of a COVID vaccine controversy, right? So it started an episode that aired 
on April 23rd while discussing whether young people should get vaccinated. Now, he said, I think for the most part, it's safe to get vaccinated. But if you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I'll go no. If you're a healthy person and you're exercising all the time and you're young and you're eating well, like, I don't think you need to worry about this. Now, of course, the second he said this, <laughs> immediate blowback, right? Uh, for what I think a lot of people see deemed as anti-vax statements. And it'll blow back, of course, social, right? There's the rage, the social rage we tend to see. Even Dr. Fauci got in the mix uh, directly commenting oh, on, on Joe Rogan's. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people in the media, news, et cetera, yeah. right? Now, the main issue that people raised was that his view seemed to be, you know, what could be interpreted as extremely selfish. As even if young people could recover well from COVID, it would not stop them from spreading it, right, to other people that could be further impacted or even die. Mm -hmm. So basically, young people needed to get vaccinated for the sake of everyone else, right? Now, what's interesting about Rogan, he is notorious for ignoring all complaints about his show, um, decided that this time he was going to address it, uh, address the protest, and in the process may walk back a little bit of his comments, right? Now, he said, and I quote, I'm not an anti-vax person. I believe they're safe and encourage many people to take them. Now, as it relates to respond to his criticism, right, uh, Rogan said that his argument about young people that needed the vaccine said, well, for other people, that makes sense. But he said that's that's a different argument, right? Which to me, like, okay. Well, and we'll get into my personal opinion about this, but let me, <laughs> let me keep on going. And then Rogan stressed that he should not be, this is the best part, he should not be a source of scientific advice. I am not a doctor. I'm not a respected source of information, even for me, right? Now, and I quote, these are all his statements, okay? These are not planned statements when I say something stupid. If you say you disagree with me, I probably disagree with me too. I disagree with myself all that. the time. I'm not a doctor. I'm a fucking moron. I'm a cage-fighting commentator who's a dirty stand-up comedian who just told you I'm drunk most of the time. I do, I do testosterone and smoke a lot of weed, <laughs> but I'm not respected source of information, even for me. If I say things, I'm always checking with Jamie, right? But at least I try to to be honest with what I'm saying, right? So, uh, not that much there. I think it's pretty pretty straightforward. Courage or cringe here, and I, I think we had to do it on the apology because that's the latest one, right? So Rogan's apology, non-apology. Uh, Rafa, what what do you think? What do you say here? You know what? I've been listening to your podcast, and I always thought, why would I say you know? Because you have to pick one, right? It's not a it's yeah, not exactly. A that's the point. Here. And, and this one is an easy one on the cringe-worthy side because, first of all, the sorry, no sorry, it, it, it's something that I don't, I don't appreciate. Either you are or you're not. Right. You know, you, 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 right. you're not half pregnant, right? You either you're sorry or, or you're not. And the other thing is, you know, as, as, a, as a public figure that he is, and I have been working during this pandemic with a foundation here in, in, in Cleveland. It's the Foundation for the Fairer Future. And we started just basically giving out masks to the Hispanic community and the African-American communities that have been left behind in terms of information, in terms of access to, to, to what everybody needs to, to, to survive this pandemic. So he cannot say to me after the fact that do not take me seriously on what I said because I'm not a, I'm not a person that, that should be talked, then you shouldn't be saying anything about it, right? right. If, you, if, you, if you're a, a smoke, smoking per, a pot smoking person or whatever he said he's been ingesting, he shouldn't be saying those things because one of the things, uh, Jesus and Charlie, that we have discovered, and I don't know if you agree with me on this one, but the information when it comes from doctors or when it comes from government officials is not as easily or as well taken when it comes from public figures, from people that, that our listeners trust. So yeah. for him and his side, I don't care what he wants to characterize himself like. But he is in a position where there is a good chunk of people that right. trust what he says, even if it's just sure. mixed martial arts. 
But when he talks about yeah. vaccination and, and, and why they shouldn't, and especially the reasons he gave don't make any sense. The fact that, that young children, young men or young women are healthy and they can rec recover better and because they, they, they work out and everything, everything else he said. Right now, the Celtics have a player, Evan Fournier, who had COVID. I mean, who is in better shape than an NBA player? And he's still suffering. From 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 effect from having the, the 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 virus right so I cringe all the way on this one and, and I don't think he can get away with uh with with, with any courageous <laughs> points in that one. Rafa, tell us no, how you really feel. No, no courageous points <laughs> whatsoever. Wow, wow, it's, I like it's, that. It's it's funny about this one um, because I think we might all agree, but for for a variety for different of reasons. different reasons. Which, by the way, that's yeah. kind of fun thing about how we even when we yeah. agree, it's rarely for the same reasons. Yeah. So 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 Rafa, I'll go next. I right. I, uh, I agree with Rafa. It's a cringe, but okay. my starting point on why it's a cringe is because. I think part of Rogan's mystique and part of Rogan's survivability, given his level of controversy, the people he's had on his show, all these various things, is precisely because he doesn't engage with the social commentary. Because mm -hmm. he, people are raging, burning stuff down, Twitter's a mess, care, yeah. and he just doesn't care. And I think the more that you begin to sort of chime in on these things, which he's now done since moving to Spotify at least twice, For if not three sure. times. You, okay? You've definitely seen a massive yeah, uptick. Definitely big which uptick. He would not up, he wouldn't definitely wouldn't like uh, <laughs> like admit to, but you've seen yeah. a big uptick. And and so for me, my first reason why it's cringe is I think you're you're kind of undoing what makes you special and right. undoing yeah. some of your mystique if you now begin to address selectively certain issues. Because frankly, uh, you know, Rafa, if you listen to one of his shows, you're gonna find something depending on who you are that you don't agree with. I mean, you're yeah. going to find something. So if I start engaging on things, like to me, that's, that's, that's a problem. So I, I, I'm principally cringe on that. The second thing is, I know you called it an apology, non-apology. There was no apology. There, there is not an apology. He did not right. apologize for anything. He just said, let me clarify the point. And, you know, that's a separate argument. And that's not the point that I was making. He didn't apologize at all. And actually for that, I think it's actually good. I don't think you should, he should apologize for the same reasons that I gave for bullet number one. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing that I would say is just on the subject itself on vaccination, because this is maybe a whole nother show, but I've, I've been, and Rafa, I don't know if this has happened to you, but like I get on calls now on Zoom calls and whatever, and like within 10 seconds, people are asking me whether or not I've been vaccinated. And I'm like, you know what, man, just on principle, I don't tell people anything about my medical history and COVID doesn't change that. So like, it's so the, it's the new norm It's the it's, new norm. So, so like, so, so that this whole idea of vaccination, right. right um, uh, you know, to me is something that that's wrapped up around a much broader issue about, you know, privacy, about other things that I just, I like the fact that he's having these discussions is what I mean. So, so like, even, even though I don't agree with, I don't, I, it's cringe what the, the non-apology thing, I get right, it. Right. But I'm not going to cringe him for having the discussion and being inelegant about it or whatever it is. Sure. Uh, so, so that's where I stand. See, once again, we, we're going to disagree, even though we're agreeing. So I'm with you guys uh, in terms of this is very cringeworthy, right? And I'll start with, look, my, my position with Joe Rogan is I'm a huge fan of Joe Rogan, but I also hate Joe Rogan, right? Like I have a very love-hate relationship with him. I think he's a great interviewer. I love the fact that he has these like really wild conversations with a really like pretty vast array of different kinds of people. I think that's awesome to have someone that really is pretty open to having a lot of different conversations. But I think he's extremely responsible with his views. 
Irresponsible. Irresponsible. Yeah. Yes, okay. because and in the second he and he's he is the person and this is what I hate about him. He does this all the time. I've said this before in, in this podcast, which is the second he actually has someone that knows the subject a little bit better and calls him on it. You're like, well, I'm a moron. What, what like what are you, what are you telling me for? Then if you're a moron, stop saying things and and treat them as facts because he will go out and say things like like if they were facts. And then the second he gets any kind of pushback, you're like, well, I'm a moron. Like, wh- wh- why? Like, what is it to me for? And like, that's that position of going back and forth is like, no, either own your position, in my opinion, is fine, or or not, right? That, that's the issue that always bothers me. Rafa. And there's a big difference between being a moron about making an, an, having an opinion about a fighter in the UFC and about being a moron about giving your opinion about something you don't know anything about. Right. Right. I mean, right, right. this is something that he kind of steps out of his field. And I know it's affecting all of us. But mm-hmm. in my case, I, when it comes to vaccination, I never say go get it or I never say don't get it. I always say educate yourself, talk to your doctors, sure. talk to friends that have gotten vaccinated and, and make your decision. What Absolutely, my decision yeah. to get or not to get vaccinated is, is, has nothing to do with your decision or with Charlie's decision. So it, it, I, my cringe worthy part is that, that it, Admit right, that you're right, a moron, right. no, yes, I, I, but <laughs> well, and I think that in this case specifically, you know, the it's like the whole um now yeah, for me really is is that is that the whole like jump like basically immediately changes positions retaliating and, to the fact that I know nothing. Right. It's like I know nothing, like so you should never question me on anything. And I think that part I think is very responsible for me to do because the reality is I think that's an excuse that he can't use. He's actually a pretty smart guy. Oh, that's where he I that's speaks right to where a I was lot of people and yeah. has a lot of information. He's had a decade worth of the most so, incredible luminary intellectual right. so politicians, at some point, you doctors, can't, you athletes. You can't use the excuse I'm a moron. Then basically stick to your position and say, like, hey, this, this is, is what I believe. This is what I believe. This is why I believe it. Fine. But don't use it. I'm a moron conversation. Or the second you get, once again, pushed back by someone that knows the subject. Right. That's his, his default. And that's what I really dislike about him. Look, my advice will be to anyone that listens to Joe Rogan is like, listen to it where you frankly treat it like the same way. Look, it's like when I, when I watch, and I'm, I'm blanking the name right now, uh, on the Saturday Night Live, the, the new segment that they always do. What's it called? The Weekend Report? I think that's what it's yeah. called, right? Mm-hmm. Weekend Right, like if you watch Weekend Report as your news source, that's a problem. You should watch Weekend Report as an entertainment vehicle, and that's how I see it. If you forget it's comedy, you have a problem. Right, that's my point. Right, so listen to Weekend Report as a comedy vehicle for an entertainment. But isn't he saying that exact thing though, Jesus? Isn't is not what he's saying? He's He's like, why are you listening to me about science? He says it only when someone pushes back on him. Because when he that's that that's, that is my problem. Because if you listen to his shows, yeah, like it's a fact, and he like he will go down hard that something is a fact. There's no data to support it. He talks about like he questioning yeah. the stuff around COVID all the time. So he treats a lot of things as they're a fact, like this reported news as being so well informed until getting pushed back by somebody else that knows him more. Then he's a moron all of a sudden, right? And that's the <laughs> part where I really dislike about him. I think you really got to view him as exactly this is like I put those two things. We can report and Joe Rogan in the exact same category. If you see it as pure entertainment, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. And I and I like Joe Rogan a lot, but it does bother me that he does this quite a bit, um, where he will say this as fact and then and then take it back. So we're starting off batting a thousand, Rafa. We always and disagree yeah, entirely, man. which is which is amazing, right? So we agree. <laughs> <laughs> agree to disagree. Frankly, I, I view it as different different facets of agreement. So there you go. All right. Well, this will be a, a fun one. Related, maybe by a the more, way, more uh, more fun one. Um, so LAPD Union asked the NBA to investigate LeBron James, right? So. The Los Angeles Police Protective League, which is the the union for the LAPD, 
sent a letter to the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, requesting a formal investigation into a tweet sent out by LeBron James, right? Now, this all happened in the heels of the conviction of Derek Chauvin for the death of George Floyd. Um, now, during this during this time, a police officer shot and killed 16-year-old Micaiah Bryant, right? Now, this incident, of course, immediately was picked up by the press and on social media with many people demanding justice. Now, as part of this wave, LeBron, you know, posted a tweet with the officer's picture and wrote, you're next, hashtag accountability, right? Now, the Bryant case is still being investigated, but it, it is pretty different than the George Floyd case as... You know, the, this young woman was was shot while she was holding a knife and it seemed to be going after another another young woman, right? Now, LeBron later later deleted the tweet saying that it was being used to create more hate. Now, in right. that tweet, he said, I'm so damn tired of seeing black people killed by police. I took the tweet down because it's being used to create more hate. This isn't about one officer. It's about the entire system, and they always use our words to create more racism. I'm so desperate for more accountability, right? Now, Fox News uh, reported that Detective James O'Bride a member of the Los Angeles Police Protective League Board of Directors said the NBA should determine if James violated any league policies. Now, during an interview that uh, Mr. McBride had on the Laura Ingram show, he said LeBron James sent the tweet out to the over 50 million followers to incite violence is basically what he what the tweet did. Right. right. So it's in this 50 case, million, is that on Instagram? I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably on it's Twitter. I can't, yeah. I can't wait to hear Twitter. it. Probably on Twitter, one, especially since it's a Cleveland related. So, at least on some level. yeah, Cleveland tangential, uh, yeah. historically related. So, Rafa, let's start with you again. Of course, courage or cringe on the LAPD union asking the NBA to investigate LeBron. You know, I right off the bat, I'm going to say cringe worthy because okay. it is. It, it, there, but there's so many. So many parts of this, of this topic. Mm-hmm. First of all, the, the tweet by LeBron, I think you cannot be taken. To, we are so used to reacting immediately to things now nowadays, especially with the fact that everything is on social media and everything is on video. And, and you in, in, in your description, you hit a, a very important topic, which was this case is very different to what we all mm-hmm. saw last Memorial Day in, in Minneapolis, right. right, with George Floyd. I mean, we saw that for, what, nine, ten minutes of, of this man being being seriously abused and obviously at the end his life being taken by, by the police. So that I understand. And, but still, when it comes to everything going to court, we all have learned through history that we got to let it take its course and make sure that we react yeah. to whatever decision the court makes. But... For them to demand an investigation on on LeBron James for 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 quote unquote exercising his his freedom of speech, he didn't really incite any violence. I mean, he just said "your next accountability." He doesn't he he didn't say "your next" and had a picture of, of any violent item in the thing. He just basically saying "you're going to court next" because the the George Floyd thing was was going on. But my problem is that. I support the police, and I'll say this right off the bat, I support the police department, I support their their work they do, but changes need to happen in the way they run their department. I don't Mm -hmm. think there is a uniform way that police departments are run in this country. So therefore, I think it's cringeworthy when a person that is coming from a department that needs a lot of investigation is demanding one, uh, especially coming from the LA police, which is, I think, is the root and cause of everything and any right. problem that the police, the, the police departments have in this country. So, cringeworthy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm two, right. no, two, two for two with cringeworthy here. Wow! Wow! All right. Should I go next? Okay. So uh, I'm with you, Rafa. I'm also cringe on this, 
and I think a lot of a lot for the reasons you you brought up. First of all, I do think that I, I don't I don't see anything about uh, LeBron's tweet that should, that called for violence and therefore should call for an investigation. Do I do I think that this is a case where look as a, the reality is so much violence has happened in, in many cases to black and brown people. Unfortunately, sometimes unfortunately, by in, in the hands of the police, even during the trial of Derek Chauvin, that I could definitely understand the sensitivities that people have in general to say, look at this yet again, another case, another case. But this case about with Micaiah Bryant is extremely different. And it's really, really sad that this 16-year-old girl, you know, young girl who was already, of course, having a really difficult life because at 16 year old, she was already like in foster care. And there was a lot, obviously yeah. a lot of issues that were already there, lost her life. You know, and I do think about could have there been a different way to resolve it? Could have they used, you know, the um, the taser gun, something else? I get all that. And it's really easy to sit there questioning. But there was also on the line the life of another little girl that was that could have potentially been stabbed in the neck and, and maybe lost her life as well. Right. So immediately to me is a very different sort of dynamic. I think LeBron obviously got himself caught up in the immediate reaction that many people have. And frankly, the frustration that is very fair that I think he I, I think he's very justifiably, you know, is very justified for feeling frustrated that this continues to happen so much so often, even in the middle of this massive case. So much of this violence is still is still going on. But that does not mean that every single case that happens means that it was police brutality or that they didn't act the right way or that. So I want to want to sort of separate the nuance because he definitely, I think, jumped the gun. And I'm glad he brought it down. I'm glad he recognized it because I did see other celebrities, frankly, who put it up and never brought it down, even as Lito started coming out, right? So it wasn't the only one. There was many other yeah. people that jumped in there and immediately I saw it all over the press. And the second I saw it, I was like, this is really interesting. I want to look at see what actually happened. And when you saw it, I'm like, oh, this looks, this feels different. Maybe a little bit different situation. Maybe want to hold off and then jumping in immediately. But there was a lot of people that, that did that, that went out there and immediately sort of, you know, preached about it, calling for accountability, never took it back. I actually give LeBron James credit for recognizing that he had made a mistake and, like, bringing it back. And, look, he tried to sort of clarify this. Like, this is more about just one police officer, but this ongoing death that continued to happen, and I understand that. And even if I have issue with the specific approach of how he did it, and, frankly, maybe he has, there's a better way to even address it after the fact, none of it, to my mind, falls in the category of demanding an investigation that he somehow basically was calling for for violence or that it should be investigated by the NBA. Okay, we get to immediately be depressed because I'm going to wreck everything as I usually do for both of you. Um, <laughs> so it's, 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 uh, it's a courage for me um, for two reasons. Well, for a number of reasons, but let me just start with the fact that what you just said, Jesus, you, you're, you're seeing apologies today where none exist. You did it with Rogan, you don't, you, and you see it here with LeBron. LeBron didn't apologize. LeBron didn't recognize anything about his tweet was wrong. What he said was people are, are taking it and creating more racism out of it. And so he thought he didn't want to give anybody ammunition but he didn't say that what he said he reflected on and was wrong he didn't say any of that stuff he sure. didn't say he should have thought it through like so you're attributing all that to him which may or may not be true but, but this is not about it. his apology i know i'm just saying that's the backdrop because you right. brought it up so for 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 me for the same reasons that we just talked about rogan has millions of fans and millions of followers and he should be clear that when he talks about things that he's going to have an impact and he's going to have some perspective I do see that tweet, you're next, as even though he meant accountability, hashtag, 
it, there is a tinge of, we're coming for you. There's a tinge of, and that guy's got a job he's got to go to. He's got kids who've got to go to school. He has a wife, maybe, who has to go to work and do whatever. He's got an extended family. And those people are either feeling safer after that tweet or not. And they're not after a tweet that says, you're next, okay? For what appears to me to be a very legitimate, um, and it, none of these things are legitimate because I don't but, want but, people but, dead. But, going, but, yeah. let me just, but a legitimate shooting to, to the point that you Yeah, made. yeah, but the, the you're mm. next accountability that's directly in the context of accountability for a police officer that was just finally convicted Quite for murdering someone. There is no, you're next, like, we're going to come and kill you. We're going to oh, come yeah, and, like, come go about it. Yeah, no, but, no, it, it, look, it isn't, Charlie, because no, the, the hashtag accountability is directly, because remember the timing of all this. Of course. Directly correlated with someone yeah. being taken to trial, convicted. That's where, so there is a coming coming for you, but it's coming for you legally because this is literally in the context of someone being, and you're giving someone, a, someone right. like literally just, just being convicted. And, and, and you're, go ahead, Rafa, go ahead. And I'll tell you something, it, it, it is cringeworthy because of that. And also, it is hard for me, even the, the most that I have ever had to face the police is here in Cleveland, I got pulled over and asked if, asked if I was lost. Well, I was in a, in a white, predominantly <laughs> white neighborhood looking for my friend's house. And I said to the guy, uh, yeah, I'm lost. I'm looking for my friend's home. Actually, yes. Actually, yes. I got pulled over for driving while Hispanic. So that's as far as I can go. And I know it's not a, a topic where you can, you know, to make light of, but we don't know what these people have been going through for all this time, and speaking of the African-American community, you know, I know friends yeah. that travel with their license in their visor, so when they get pulled over, they don't have to reach to their to their, to their glove compartment and risk having a, a reaction from the police officer. So I, I agree with, with Jesus. The tweet was directly applied to the fact that one police yeah. officer had finally had just been found guilty of committing a murder of a, of a citizen, and he was saying, you're next. Yes, he jumped the gun and assumed... Yeah. And we still don't know the facts. Wrong, for sure. God knows what's mm -hmm. going to happen in court on this. So, but but to demand an investigation and demanded by the LA Police Department, it, to me, is just insane. Yeah, I hear you. I, I think that the year next has a connotation um, built into it of a threat. And I think in the absence of all the data and the fact that we all agree that he jumped the gun, then in that context issuing a threat is not the right thing to do. And so for that, I think he should suffer the consequences of it. I also view LeBron beyond much more than just an athlete. In fact, I would even put him in a category, even though Rogan has a diverse number of interests and talks about a variety of things, and we're saying he's not a moron and very educated. LeBron's like a business person, an activist, an he's athlete. A, a lot for a, the community. I, mean, yeah. like, I think he's great. He, he, I'm a huge of, fan of LeBron. Of course it's great, but what I'm saying is even... He would agree yeah. with you when you say he's more than an athlete because of course. <laughs> that, that's of one course. of his slogans. <laughs> of course. No, but exactly. My, 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 I, I would jump to the courageous side, Charlie, if either the police department or LeBron James and his group would come up with a way to find a solution for this as opposed to just yeah. keep pointing the finger from one side to the other. And, and on that one, Rafa, I do see that there's a lot of issues here, right? The guy shows up without a backup. Um, you know, he obviously the woman did not listen, did not comply. She was going to attack somebody else. He acted, but could he have done some, something else? Could he have tackled her? Could he yeah. have tased her? Could he have done whatever? But in terms of what these guys are taught to do, which I think is fundamentally what's at the issue and something we talked about in an earlier show, in terms of the process or the protocol, like the guy did it pretty textbook. His, his, his commanding officer came out pretty much right afterwards and said, like, look, this is all tragic. And it is tragic, right? Um, but 
but it's a very different thing, right? So, but having said that, I do agree that there are you know differences that could, perhaps could have could have happened here, but it's it's a very different case. But ultimately, on LAPD going like, hey, you know what? Check this guy out because we think he's inciting violence. If I have to pick one on the basis of what I've said, that's where yeah, I'm at. Yeah, so. I think the only way I would agree, I would agree with you if the what the union was asking for. I'm going to slowly win you over, both no. of you. See, Rafa already <laughs> said he was like he'd be a courage if you guys are qualifying uh, already. No, I'll give you, the, I'll give you the why. Is the right, to me what really gets me and is clear in a, in a cringe is the investigation. And it's like really LAPD, you're asking for other yeah. people to get investigated. Yeah, like, but come on, no, you're, no, no. I think I think the difference so, will so be so they never have a legitimate reason to investigate somebody no, just because they they're the LAPD have, and they've got no, 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 stuff in their closet. Uh-huh. All right, settle. Yeah. Um, if they were demanding an apology, if they were demanding a, hey, LeBron, we would exactly. love to get the benefit of the doubt from you. Like, we would love for you, before you send that out, give us the benefit of the doubt that we still have a really hard job. And there's cases yeah. where we have to use force, even if it's against a kid. But because you another kid's tweet. But, but hold on, hold on. But they didn't say any of that. What they're saying is that they're having, they're sending the NBA to investigate LeBron for inciting violence. That's not what that was. That's the part that to me is ridiculous of their position. Because I agree with you. We're actually, I think we're all in agreement that LeBron jumped the gun, that yeah. there's a lot more to it. I think none of us are debating. And I, we could even agree that he didn't handle it well, even though, once again, apology, not apology. I mean, to your point, there is yeah. no apology. We could argue that. Well, we, what I think we're in three different places is the, 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 the actual action by the LPD so saying that it requires investigation. So you would have rather, uh, and by the way, you're saying that they didn't call him up and say, hey, dude, why'd you do that? Right. You're saying they didn't do that. We don't know if they didn't do we that. We don't know that. But what we're responding to is the call for an investigation by the NBA. Got it. Yeah. That action completely unmerited, Great especially from, the, from that group and for the action that they're actually asking for investigation. If it's asking for an apology, asking for the benefit of that, hey, we'd love to have you on our side as well because we have a really hard job. Like all of that, I'll be all for it. Yeah. I'll be encouraged in that case because I think they, they will be right. My guess is some of those conversations at some point have probably happened. Yeah, Who knows? But um, hey, we agree to disagree. We agree to disagree again. <laughs> See, we haven't agreed anything yet, although we somehow got the first one. We're one and one. We're yeah. at 50%. Uh, the next one. All right, let's do it. Fireworks. Uh, so um, Idaho moves to ban critical race theory instruction in all public schools, including universities. So as reported by CNN, uh, while many public schools districts uh, move towards embracing critical race theory in their curriculum, others, like Idaho, are doing the opposite. Idaho lawmakers have advanced a bill that will prohibit public schools, including public universities, from teaching critical race theory. Now, according to the bill, uh, it says it prohibits teaching that any sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, or national origin is inherently superior or inferior, which they claim to be often found in critical race theory. That sounds, yeah, yeah I agree with that. That sounds great. Uh, now, the bill also prohibits teaching the, the argument that individuals by virtue of sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, or national origin are inherently responsible for actions committed in the past by other members of the same sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, or national origin, right? Now, according to the bill, it claims that critical race theories and teachings like it uh, exacerbate and inflame divisions on the basis of sex, race, ethnicity, we get it, right? Mm-hmm. Or other criteria in ways contrary to the, uni- the unity of the nation and well-being of the state of Idaho and its citizens. Now, proponents of critical race theory say the study explores the ways in which a history of inequality and racism in the U.S. have continued to impact American society today. Now, according to Kimberly Crenshaw, a founding critical race theorist and law professor at UCLA and Columbia University, uh, says it's an approach to grappling with a history of white supremacy that rejects the belief that what's in the past is in the past and that the laws and systems that grow from the past are detached from it. 
right? Now, the sponsors of the bill, uh, Representative Julianne Young and Senator Carl Crabtree, claim that while the bill references critical race theory, race theory it does not prohibit any specific subject. Uh, the bill has become, obviously, of course, a high-profile issue in the state where a dozen of Idaho students and teachers po- uh, protested peacefully in the steps of the state legislature on Monday. Did it say for who? Were they protesting against the bill or for? The, or for? Oh, it had to be. They're protesting against the bill because the bill is being put in, right? Okay. So they're protesting in, they're protesting in the Senate that is actually trying to push this bill through. Right. Right. So they were not in support of, of the bill. Um, uh, I mean, but if it hadn't been passed, I just wonder what they're protesting about. I guess just the fact that it exists. Yeah, that they're bringing, right. Yeah, the Senate is trying to push it through. Right. They're trying to push it through, right? So that's what they're protesting. Now, in just as a quick little history, September 2020, former President Donald Trump issued an executive order directing agencies of the U.S. to cancel funding for programs that mention white privilege or critical race theories on the basis that it constituted divisive, un-American propaganda. He added, students in our universities are inundated with critical race theory. This is a Marxist doctrine holding the American, holding that America is a wicked, a racist nation, that even young children are complicit in oppression, that an entire society must be radically transformed. Now, on January 20 um, of this year, President Joe Biden issued an executive order rescinding and canceling Trump's previous executive order and once again permitted agencies to use such programs. So... Courage or cringe, Idaho looking to ban critical race theory from public schools. Rafa, close us out, my friend. You ever been to Idaho, Rafa? I'm going cringe worthy all the way, you know, and this is a topic that I, I must admit at one point or another is, is way over my head sometimes, the way it is discussed. Mm-hmm, but yeah. to put it in simple human terms, it is insane to think that just by not looking at what this country has done for the last, what, 200, 300, 400 years, that is either going to go away or it didn't exist. I think it is a matter of, 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 of not wanting to learn from our mistakes. I think if you talk about critical race theory and, and when you have the people that are against it and thinking that America is not racist, yes, maybe it is not, but right, that racism exists in America. There is absolutely no doubt that there are people that have better privileges in this country. You know, being white allows you to get a better education. Being white allows you to have better, 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 better opportunities at developing yourself. So there is, I think, a base into why this is important not to be ignored so we can get better at it, so we can, we can learn from our mistakes because, because the, 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 the relation thing between law and, 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 and race is just too much in this country. And, 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 and we, as Hispan- myself as Hispanic, you know, have, been, have been a witness and a victim to it. You know, we don't, I don't have the same opportunity that other people have because of where I'm from. So I don't see the issue or the problem of how it damages the, the image of this country by having our children our, and our, our young men learn about what this country was. Now, I don't agree with holding everybody in the, in the 19th century to 21st century standards. I think we just need to learn to where we come from. And if you look at it as a whole, I think the founding fathers got it mostly right, even though we, you know, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't pass any, any, any test right now if we hold them to the standard that we live on right. now and we know about now. But they got it mostly right. So I think it's good to learn from our, from our mistakes and our past and, and see how we can get better. So I cringe on, 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 on not allowing that kind of learning. Drava, have you been to Idaho? You ever, you ever been there? Spending time there? Yes. I've been skiing in Idaho. Yes. Oh, nice. There you go. 
Very nice. Charlie? It's actually a great, it's a great town. Um, Boise, too, in particular. Um, mm. So, look, for me, um, here's the way that I look at it. First of all, I don't disagree with anything that, Rafa, you just said. I think that there is a, a lot of historically accurate things that you can look at in the, in the nation's past among individuals, among um, institutional laws. Jim Crow is an example, slavery, et cetera. The evidence is everywhere that we have a long history of things that um, basically disavowed the dignity of human people and treated people like objects if they were from particular um, you know, groups. And I think that a lot of that remains to this day. I find it in my own personal experience, it remains in a way, uh, as I've said many times on this show, in places that claim to be free of those things. I find it there more than I do in other places who you would expect, you know, to see more racism. And so the whole idea of like the South is very racist. I think that the bigger metropolitan kind of blue cities are the ones that have the most of the most racism that I've come in contact with, but it's a different kind. So anyway, I don't, I don't disagree with anything that you just said, but we're talking about critical race theory and we're talking about this bill to ban it in public schools. And to me, I look at critical race theory to address the things you just said, Rafa, as kind of using a hammer to open a window. Okay. You're going to get a lot of fresh air, but your, your window is now gone. Okay. So, so that's how I view it because let me tell you something. Okay. Critical race theory, at least in the, in, in the sense academically as it's described and as it's taught has a lot of things that are very, very problematic. And the reason why I don't agree with it, especially for things that are publicly funded, Private universities or some private club or whatever, God bless you. Have everything. I mean, all the discussion you want. And I, by the way, I don't even necessarily disagree with having this discussion about critical race theory in the context of a lot of different philosophies or theories. But as the way that things get taught in public settings, I've got a problem with it. And principally for, for a couple things. Number one is it has this sort of revision. This is all from um, Wikipedia, by the way. So this is like neither left nor right, just like an analysis of critical race theory. It has revisionist interpretations of civil rights law and progress. So basically it says that the civil rights movement was a bit of a political job because the third world was looking at the U.S. and that's the reason we passed the civil rights law and that's the reason all these things happen and not because we actually cared that we had made mistakes in the past. I think that's kind of ahistorical and either even if it's true, which I don't believe it is, I don't think that that creates common ground for us to have conversations. It basically just says sort of all of this happened that, that was a little bit of an illusion and we really don't have any progress that's been made in the country as a result. The second reason, and my biggest one, as I slowly lose my voice, my, my, uh, my second one and the biggest one is they have something that's called standpoint epistemology. And what that means is if you're not from the group, you can't say anything. That's basically what it is. It's the member of a minority has an authority and ability to speak about those issues where people who are outside of that group do not. And I fundamentally, philosophically disagree with you. Uh, disagree with that 100% across the board on that because I believe that's one of the biggest problems in our culture is that we don't talk to each other. And most of my the instances where that's come up for me, it's be, people have said, I don't feel comfortable. I feel like I can't contribute. If we're talking about black issues, I just stand back. We need to have people in the conversation. And of course, you can speak from your lived experience, but you know, ideologies that teach that you don't belong in those conversations because of an immutable characteristic that you have, I think are frankly just way wrong. So on the basis of those, there's a lot more that I could say about yeah. the actual theory. 
Um, but I, I believe that as a whole, as a body of work, it's something that causes a lot more damage. Even though it may open the window, you're not going to have a window left. And so that's the reason why I'm courage on them taking this, this action, especially if the voters support it of, of Idaho. So anyway, that's me. Um, yeah, so I'm definitely very cringe on this uh, on this topic. And I think the reason why I'm so cringe is that by I feel like by them banning it, there's a couple of things going back to the rationale why they're doing it. Right. This is definitely, in my mind, very much in the conservative culture war category of a way to appease and to and to basically call on the base for 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 conservatives to want to rally around something and uh, create an issue out of a non-issue in, in my mind. Um, so I think they're, they're why they're doing it to me is directly related with with obviously, frankly, you know, President Trump, this being one of the things that he was passionate about. Otherwise, I just don't see this because critical race has been around for a while. Right. Um, now, it got an extra boost last year with, of course, everything that happened around, you know, George Floyd. But it's a, it's a theory that has been around. I forget what, when the, what was the year that it actually started. It's like 80s, 90s. Yeah. So it's, it's been a concept that has been around for a long time. I think the reason why it's so hotly debated now is in part because, you know, love him or hate him. You know, the second, you know, Trump or President Trump, you know, has something in his agenda, you all of a sudden people have very strong reactions one way or the other. Right. So that's one. I think the second thing is that going back to your hammer example. I think by banning it, you also are negating some of, I think, the value that is actually there. Look, I don't, and I'm sure the more I look, and I was spending quite a bit of time reading into critical race theory. There's part of it that I don't, I don't agree with everything that they're saying. Even your second point to me is a, is a really important one as to why, like, I would have issue with that as well. But, it, but I think part of the, the broader issue that I think is trying to address is also recognition that some of the challenges that this country has dealt with racism are still there. And to some extent, we haven't actually made as much progress as we, as we claim we have. Right. When you think about the amount of, of issues that we're still dealing with as a country, I mean, look, we just had this situation with George Floyd uh, and Derek Chauvin finally getting convicted of something that as a kid, dealt, like remember that topic with Ronnie Keene being like beaten in front of, you know, on, on camera and none of those guys got convicted. Right. So that issue has been very front and center that this country is dealing with. And I think the second you, you try to shy away or pretend like that stuff doesn't happen, that's what I have issue with. You know, even we were just in San Antonio, right? And and San Antonio has a whole remember the Alamo. Well, remember the Alamo. What don't remember is wait. There was a there was a place where they were taking over Mexican land, and yes, they died because they were taking over this Mexican land. Right. And they were fighting against. <clears throat> this was not a heroic thing to to talk about, but it was taught that way for for a very long time. I mean, right. I remember from my history teacher, and I think I said this before in high school, arguing with me at the time that you know that the Civil War was not about slavery. Right. Right. It was about states' rights. And this I wasn't informed enough at that, whatever it was, 15 years old, to like make that argument. But that's the view that I think for a very long time we had in this country where we tried to really whitewash what has happened. Like, oh, yeah, say, yeah, that was like back then, but like we're so much better now and but all the stuff that, what, we, that we've but, done. But what does the part I'm confused about is what does acknowledging any of the things that you just rightly describe have to do with accepting critical race theory? Because critical the, I race think theory. The, the study of actually looking at the impact that these type of racism actually has now. had even now and how much the role the government actually plays what's happening now. And yeah. I think it's the bringing it to now that I think is extremely important. Look, a, a few weeks ago in our episode, we talked about Bruce Beach, Rafa. So just to give a quick catch up, Bruce Beach is this area here in Manhattan Beach, this property that this African-American family basically bought, right? And and the, the government, I mean, the local city government took it away from them. Right, they call it a, a imminent domain. Took it away from sure. them because yeah. they were going to build a park. It literally sat there vacant for like twenty plus years until they finally did a little bit of something with it. But it was, and the reason it took away because all of the white neighbors around them didn't want this family there. 
right? That's a perfect, and that happens way after slavery, right? right? Like that's my point. Like that's a great but example what does where the role the issue have to do with critical race theory. I just think you're, I think the, you're adding the, a lot of benign things everybody agrees with, but you're refusing to acknowledge everything you have to accept when you accept this theory. You have to address, you have to accept black separatism and nationalism. You have to accept I, I, it. I think you, I think so. You, you, you can't can just take, divorce yourself from the things you don't like. Just like everything else, you <clears> can have a nuanced conversations about the elements of it that are still relevant without saying that everything of it has to be a hard. 100% sure. that way, right? So sure. for me, when you're taking that whole thing out the window, you're doing both. You either have to fully accept every single element or fully reject every single element. And, and that's what I don't agree with. I think there's parts about critical race theory in this broader view of how it, how it basically looks at the impact that is happening now that has been influenced and the specific the role that government has yeah. played in facilitating racism to continue to occur that is relevant. It should be taught in schools right now. Now, those are elements of, of critical race theory. That doesn't mean you have to take every single part of it. And that's basically, basically the point that I, that I want to make. Rafa, do you think that it has to do with how we define these things? Like, if, if we, like how do you define critical race theory is, you know, has a bearing on how you feel about these things? Like, d- does, does a common definition have something to do with this? I think you know, unfortunately, like like in like everything in this country has become either you either you with us or you're not, and and just that the idea, cringe enough for me, that the idea that teaching critical race theory is gonna is gonna put a bad stain on this country, and 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 guess what? It already had, it already happened. All those things that they're trying to to, sure. to talk about and to and sure. to figure out how it has affected people now, even to this day. So, it it's. Bottom line for me, Charlie, anything that if President Trump is something against education, I'm for it. There's no way. You can you can have him do business, right. do politics, anything. But when it comes to education, just stay away from my education. I mean, come on. It, it, it's, yeah. It, 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 I, I think it's, it's more of, of everybody in charge of this forgetting what the actual subject is about the education of our children and our, and our students. And just taking sides on it just because it's either left or right. And and, and, yeah, and like, no, like, like Jesus well, said, you don't have to take it all out or take it all in, but there have to be some items in there that have to be taught or at, or at least have to oh, continue to be studied. For sure. I, I agree with that. I think that that, but that I don't, I don't think seems to be the discussion. I think that the discussion seems to be, at least from what I could understand, that there was a curriculum that was broadly based on all of these things together that was going to be instituted as a publicly funded way to teach about these issues. And I think it wasn't saying, let's look at the ones that work and let's pick up the good ones. It was saying all of it together. And when I look at this, especially the part about uh, non-white nationalism and separatism, I'm like, how can anybody agree with this? That like, you should have just people that are black live in one place and people that are white. That's what this teaches. I mean, like legitimately, and that's not my saying this, just look it up on Wikipedia. And so when you say- But that's the broad theory versus like the actual implementation of it, Charlie. Because I think you have to like literally you look at the that? actual curriculum. Well, how do you know that? I, I, you I, don't. I, I don't. I don't either. My point is that when you, the second you ban it entirely, then you're saying a message that you don't want to look reflectively at your own role that you've played as a country, as a government, to actually facilitate these things from actually happening. Right now, yeah. I'm not saying to like let's all push for separatism. No, no, no. I'm definitely not saying that. Maybe, maybe some of the theory associated to your point has that. But fine. Then, then. 
bring that up and address it. Like why this is not the answer, why this is not a solution, but then don't throw out all of it. And especially the look of saying that as a country, we play a role and continue to play a role. And I think it's the lack of recognition of that, that I, that I think for many of us, we find it frustrating because we pretend like it's no longer there. To your point, when you say that many Demo- like what well, could be considered more liberal-leaning, left-leaning places in the, in the country tend to be very racist, well, many times those same governments facilitate that racism from actually happening. And right. when you don't actually like acknowledge and look at it, I think that's what it just continues to happen because those don't have the racism problem. I mean, the, the thing about this Bruce speech example, which I found astonishing, was that was, was attorney. I forgot who it was. It was like the city attorney. I think is what yeah, it was, right? The city manager. City manager yeah. who basically said this comment like, "I just thought that stuff happened somewhere else. Like I didn't. I didn't think it happened." And oh that, no, that's the problem. Yeah, See, sure. I think that's what here. happens when you stop actually being self-reflective on the what you yourself are doing within your own like cities and countries and, and states Look, to I, actually I, facilitate or not these type of behavior. Where, where I agree with everything you just said is that we don't know what's actually being proposed here. But if you just take it at its word, I think that there's a lot of things that come along with, you know, these um, at least productized or packaged kind of uh, ideologies that need to have a nuanced discussion. And in the absence of that, if you have to vote one way or another... I'd rather vote the other because I think that there's so much here that makes the situation worse and it makes people feel like strangers and it others everyone and it gives people it reduces their agency and it doesn't bring people together. I just that's the issue that I have with it. So, I mean, I agree with the the one part you're right. I don't know all the details about what was in this bill and it was broadly billed as this kind of like, you know, here's what it is, but that's the reason I object with it because I think that ultimately we want to draw people together and have them recognize the, the common bonds that they have. The, the challenge with that that I have is that sweeping things under the rug does not bring people together. Yeah, but I don't I, it, know does why you keep it does saying that. it does short term. I agree with everything that you said about term. bringing these things to light. All I'm saying is don't swallow an entire ideology to solve the legitimate issues that you just well, brought up. The reason I say that is because part of the push that these people have here is the whole thing about no no, we want to see more unity. So it almost feels like unveiling what's been really happening only divides us divides us more. And my issue is like, yeah, it may feel like unity short term, but those problems are still there. And without taking some kind of look at those problems, I think that's that's where you end up in a worse place down the line. That's why you still have the amount of racism that, and 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 frankly, like the race relations that we have in this country are, are as bad as they are. For that same reason, we've continued to sweep things, sweep things under under the rug for a while. Rafa, final word. I'm up. I'm ready to come for courage or cringe anytime you want me to. I think, it, I think <laughs> this is very interesting. And the, and the most important part about it is that this is the type of conversation that needs to happen everywhere in this country. Peaceful. You don't have to agree with any. You don't have to agree with anybody you're talking to. But the fact that things are being talked about somehow will find the right. Will find a, a common place to get to. So thank you so much for 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 allowing me to be part of it. Oh, are you kidding? On the other hand, I mean, al contrario, thank you for joining us and for being here and for being, like I said, a pioneer and a voice in what you do. Rafa, how can people follow your work? Like, know, know what you're calling next? Like, how do people get connected to you and the work that you're doing? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at arroba el alcalde Rafa and WNZN.org is the station where uh, my games are broadcast in, in Espanol, WNZN.org. And uh, I don't know, just join me. And we're still fighting for this to make, it, to make everybody pay attention to us. So one day at a time. Absolutely. And you're you're inventing the hockey uh, Spanish vocabulary. Yeah, I love that. Right, so I'll, I'll send you. I, the, send you I, the, I would send you tune in just for that, Rafa. <laughs> yeah, know, no, seriously, I'd like to way, see that. One I'd day like the Wikipedia, that. you know, uh, entry is going to have Rafa's name. <laughs> <laughs>
that literally <laughs> defines how you call hockey. It's, yeah, it's Spanish. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I love that. It's going to have the new, the new word for face-off. But anyway, Rafa, thank you again for coming, and thank everybody for listening. Keep uh, the you know recommendations and suggestions coming in. Remember to subscribe to the show. Uh, visit us on patreon.com backslash the diversity remix and we will see you again next week on another episode of tdr if you enjoyed this episode of the diversity remix please remember first of all to subscribe and help us to spread the word tell your friends family co-workers and give us a five-star review we're available on apple and google podcasts Spotify, and everywhere else you get your listening fix. And lastly, please remember to stop by blackbrown.us, the creator of this podcast, and take a look at our work and our approach at the intersection of diversity and business. The Diversity Remix is produced by Leo Gomez, with production services by Jose Manuel Durquidi and Luis Diego Carranza and our friends at Juan Diego Network. The Diversity Remix is a production of Black Brown. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.